from MPB Think Radio, this is Creature Comforts. It's the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Our guest today, wildlife biologist Joe McGee. Our show is dedicated to frogs today. Have you ever wondered why frogs call each other and what they might be saying? What's the difference between a frog and a toad? Or are you just wondering if frogs make good pets? No matter if you're an experienced herpetologist or just like Kermit the Frog from The Muppets, the show will open your eyes to the world of our lily pad friends. Join the conversation this morning with your phone call. It's 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show animals at mpbonline.org. This is Creature Comforts from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. And welcome back. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio, the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. We're visiting with our guest today, wildlife biologist Joe McGee. So today's show is dedicated to frogs. Have you ever wondered why frogs call each other and what they might be saying? Uh, What's the difference between a frog and a toad? Or are you just wondering if frogs make good pets? So no matter if you're an experienced herpetologist or just like Kermit the Frog from the Muppets, this show will open your eyes to the world of our lily pad friends. Join our conversation this morning. Give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show animals at mpbonline.org. And a reminder, uh, if you ever miss Creature Comforts on Thursday, it repeats Saturday mornings at 6. So, good morning. Hope everyone is doing well this morning. Yes, good morning. Good morning. So, uh, Libby, uh, we had our friend uh, George Phillips from the museum on a couple of weeks ago, and uh, he is going to be a busy guy this week. That's right. And he wanted us to remember Fossil Roadshow this Saturday, March the 4th, from 10 o'clock to 3 o'clock. It's a wonderful opportunity to learn more about paleontology. There's Experts from all over the southeast will be there, and you can bring your fossils with you. If you found something and you're not even sure it's a fossil, it's a good time to bring it and find out. If it's not a fossil, it might be something else equally interesting, and George and his folks usually know what that is. So... uh, that's a good time, and the fossil road show, kind of like antique road show, but instead of a price, you'll get an age on your object, which works out real well. And then the Tuesday, the the following Tuesday, Alex Hastings, Dr. Alex Hastings from Virginia, was one of the people that was there when they discovered the Titanoboa in um, northern Columbia. Oh, wow. So he was in South America doing some paleontology work, and he's going to come this coming Tuesday to give a noon lecture at the museum. So it's at the Museum of Natural Science, 12 o'clock to 1 o'clock Tuesday. And that's in conjunction with the ongoing exhibit about Titanoboa, which yes, I think we definitely. said was an 80, how long, 80 feet long? It's, yeah, 49. I think it, it's Four, 49. Okay, 49, sorry. Okay. Only 49. <laughs> and it's 60 million. I got that number in my head. It's 60 million years old. And, and it's it's long well, and big. A ton and a half. We, we would all four fit in there <laughs> just by looking at the model. We could all lay down inside the thing. So. 
So this, uh, go ahead. Now the model is not forty nine feet. I don't think is it is. It, well, it's curled up. Okay. Yeah, it's it's the size it would be in life, but it's okay. all curled up. Okay. So okay. yeah, the way I guess Titanoboa would be. Okay. But yeah, he takes up. I mean, he wouldn't fit in this room, <laughs> even okay. curled up. It's a pretty big thing. Yeah. All righty. Uh, this is Creature Comforts, and we're talking about frogs today with our guest wildlife biologist, Joe McGee. So if you have a frog question or if a pet question for Dr. Major, or if you'd just like to share your wildlife observations, uh, give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. So, Joe, appreciate you being with us again. Uh, tell us, uh, remind us again kind of what the life of a wildlife biologist is. How, how do you spend your days for the most part? Well, uh, I'm retired oh, now, so I speak, <laughs> but I, uh, I used to be a wildlife uh, educator, mm-hmm. conservation educator, and I actually spent my time traveling around mostly southeast Mississippi, one of the really interesting parts of the state, wildlife-wise and otherwise, and uh, educating people about some of the animals they might not know they have down that way. Uh you did a lot of teacher workshops. A lot of teacher a lot workshops. Of a lot of teacher workshops. Also, I help uh, the researchers at the museum surveying salamanders sometimes, surveying birds. That's a big uh, favorite of mine, the bird sur- shorebird surveys, where we go out and actually count certain birds, how many we can see in a, a specified area, also looking for birds that have bands on them. And then if you can actually read the number on the band, the researchers are able to go online and find out where that bird was banded. I saw a bird that was banded, saw it two years in a row, banded in South Dakota. Hmm. Uh, it was a little piping plover. So it made it back and forth from South it, Dakota at least, at least twice. At least two know? times, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's pretty exciting. So now you get to bird and... Actually, I spend a lot of my what? days removing privet from around the edge of the hayfield <laughs> behind my house. I want to put in native plants for the for the uh, pollinators, and uh, you know, good. privet is a pollinator-friendly plant for about two weeks, and then it shades everything else out. So, I want to. I've been removing that. It's very labor, very labor-intensive. It's grunt work. <laughs> so, uh, we're going to be talking throughout the hour with uh, Joe about frogs. So, again, if you've got a question about frogs, give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. In fact, we do have a caller on the line, and it's uh, Colleen in Ocean Springs. Uh, good morning, Colleen. What do you have for us? Hi. Um, so, I'm from Montana originally, and I've been in Mississippi for a few years. But when I was a child, my mother took me to get tadpoles and we watched them grow up into frogs so I, I would like to do that with my daughter but i'm not sure if frogs if tadpoles are around kind of all year because it's so warm down here or when i should go hunting for them uh they're around almost all year you could probably find some now of the southern leopard frogs they breed this time of year uh you'd want to be careful not put too many in the aquarium. You probably know that if you worked with them in Montana. Uh, Southern leopard frog tadpoles you could probably find a little bit later. When it gets warm, you could probably find bullfrog tadpoles. Some of these tadpoles take more than one year to metamorphose into a frog. So, Oh, wow. So you could probably find uh, bullfrog tadpoles. Uh, 
and the leopard frog toad. Those are the and some toads possibly later on when it warms up. Southern toads maybe or uh, uh, Fowler's toad. What county do you are you in now? I'm in Jackson County. Jackson County. Oh, you've got there's a, a lot of interesting frogs down there. But I would. Uh, for educational purposes, I would go with the bullfrog tadpoles if you could find those. They, they're really large, you know, almost goldfish size. Okay, so I'm gonna look for the biggest ones I can find and put maybe two of them. Uh, yeah, two or three. Now let me ask Libby. There are no regulations nope. against it. You have to be careful about, and you probably know this about rules and regulations. Yeah, as long as you're not getting the endangered gopher frog, and you, and I don't think you'll be doing that. You won't be going. Those habitats are so restricted. No, she wouldn't. She's not yeah. likely to find so, that one. Yeah, you would be fine to get some if you started. You can't sell them or any of that kind of stuff. But I don't think you're going to get into that. So if you just want to go collect some tadpoles and raise them out, you would be fine. And we would probably recommend eventually you would let them go where you found them. Yeah, I know somebody who sets up a tank in their yard. Now, this is in central Mississippi in the summertime. Let's algae grow in it and leaves fall in it and whatnot. And in the summer, uh, copes, gray tree frogs come and lay eggs in that tank. Hmm. They want to go out oh. and find them. They're able to watch the whole thing from <laughs> from adults laying the eggs through wow. uh, through the you know the eggs incubating for a period, hatching into the tadpoles, and then the little metamorphs coming out, and well into late summer. Is the same species comes back every year for them? Mm-hmm. Great That's tree frogs, right. copes, great tree Cope, frogs. Yeah. And now they're not out. It'll be another oh, three or four weeks before they they come out. They're a warm weather frog, warm weather species. So yeah, if you okay. liked tadpoles in Montana, you're really going to love yeah. them. In South I mean, what kind of tadpoles yeah. did you have in Montana? <laughs> They were, when they grew into frogs, they were these tiny, tiny frogs, like as big as my thumb. Um, they were just tiny. And I'm not sure what the what species it was, um, but it was just whenever they had in Bent Lake. And yeah, <laughs> may have been a toad. Out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know my Montana frogs. <laughs> yeah, they were little tiny frogs. They're definitely not bullfrogs. All right. Colleen, thanks for your call. Hope we gave you some useful information there. Let's get one more caller in before the break, and it's Alicia has called in. She's on the road this morning. Good morning. Go ahead. You're on the air. Hi. Go ahead. You're on the air. Hi. Um, my partner has found three mummified frogs in his lifetime, and I'm so amazed and would love to know why. They basically look like a frog per- perfectly preserved, and they like they just rested and died in the same location. Where, where did you find them? Um, well, actually, in New York. Oh, but like, were they in a were they in a window or the trunk of a car or? Well, one was I'm not sure. The first one was on a helicopter landing pad, um, which sounds strange, but it was on by these hiking paths. And the second one was in the middle of a yard, and then the third one we just found in Belize like two weeks ago. Um, and it, that was in the window still okay. of the screen window. Yeah, that's that's what I was sort of getting to. I sometimes find mummified frogs at my house, and it's a bit distressing. I have a species called squirrel tree frogs around my house in the summertime. They get in between the window and the screen, and I sometimes don't find them in time, and they die because they, you know they, they can't get anything to eat. And they become mummified. Perfect. I could have brought some in today. I still have perfect specimens. They yeah. they dehydrate and uh, and are preserved. And sometimes I find them where the soft parts have all disintegrated, and it's just the skeleton of the frog. And these are squirrel tree frogs. I have. Not, I'm not sure what you would have found in 
in New York or Belize. For I mean, it could have been anything in Belize. Yeah. But it's not terribly unusual because they're an animal that has to have a lot of moisture. Mm-hmm. If they get desiccated like they get that, attract- they're going to... In my case, they were attracted to the insects that come to the lights at night. And they somehow... That's what somehow- I said to him, that yeah. he's on the right path to confirmation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, thanks for the call. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We need to take a to quick break. When we get back, we'll continue talking with wildlife biologist Joe McGee. He's our guest this morning, and we're talking about frogs. But Dr. Major is here, ready to take your pet questions. And we always like to hear what you've been seeing uh, wildlife-related uh, when you're out and about in the great state of Mississippi. The phone number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven. 672-7464. Send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. We'll be back with more after this. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell, here with Libby Hartfield and Dr. Troy Major, and our guest today, wildlife biologist Joe McGee. We're talking about frogs this morning, so if you have a question about frogs, you can give us a call. If you have a pet question for Dr. Major, please give us a call as well. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. So uh, kind of as a follow-up to uh, Colleen's call, uh, Joe, uh, if, uh, if you're wanting to try to maybe uh, hatch some frog eggs or some tadpoles uh, at home to kind of watch that interesting uh, process uh, take place, uh, you had mentioned maybe to not have too many of them. What are some other things that folks might want to think about if they do that? Yeah, do, do some research first in books or online and set up the tank first. You'd need, a, like I would say, a five-gallon aquarium, maybe even a 10-gallon aquarium. Will the chlorine in our drinking water kill them? It, it could. It could it. It yeah. affect them adversely. So get water out of the pond. Where, where are you going to get the eggs or mm-hmm. the tadpoles? Collect some water. Let or it stand. Co- collect come, rainwater. Yeah. Rainwater. Oh, let yeah. it come to ambient temperature. Put a few dry leaves in there to allow algae to grow. Because the tadpoles are going to feed on bacteria and algae and other microorganisms, little things at first. And then once you're confident that you got a good home for the tadpoles, you might collect a few eggs or young tad, tadpoles that have recently hatched and put them in there and just let them go. Uh, this, you may have to keep catch. It's been my experience that they'll eat up their algae pretty quick. Mm-hmm. If if you put the aquarium in the sunny spot, that helps too because it'll algae, grow some The algae, algae needs yeah. the sunlight to grow, obviously. And just uh, sit back and... Watch it. Just make sure they have plenty to eat. You might even consider putting an aquarium pump in the tank to make sure the water is properly oxygenated. You don't want more tadpoles or more frog eggs than the water can sustain. Um, and I uh, had another question that just left my mind. It hopped right out of my mind there. So uh, <laughs> You just wanted to use that. <laughs> oh, I remember. You said uh, some, some take more than a year. Is there an average length for, for the whole metamorphosis process? Uh, I couldn't give you an average, but the larger frogs, like 
the bullfrog, American bullfrog or uh, southern leopard frog, some, or the pig frog, there's one called a pig frog, they usually take longer than a year. And I understand there's some in the world. There's a frog in Africa called the Goliath frog. It may take f- three to four mm. years mm. to mature. Uh, Dr. Major, has a, a frog ever come through the clinic? Not on purpose, I don't think. Uh, <laughs> we've had a few. Uh, frankly, I've never never had any, encountered anybody with a frog as a pet, uh, which probably is a pretty good idea not to... Uh, They're never to, affectionate. Right. <laughs> You're not going to get affection from a frog. But I have seen fire-bellied toads for sale in pet shops. And, you, and you know, if you provide a good environment for them, uh, terrarium, if you will, for mm-hmm. uh, depending on the type of frog that you have, certainly there would be nothing wrong with that. But uh, uh, it, it would be hard maybe to go catch one outside and then provide the right environment for them. My daughter, actually, of course, we had one. Do you remember what kind? <laughs> it was, we call it Jabba the Hutt. That's, it looks <laughs> like that. I can't remember the name of it. It's an exotic, and they do sell them for pets. Oh, she bought it. And it's about as you know big as right. a child's head by the well, time it right. gets large. I and think they, it was given to her. But it was great fun to feed. And it was pretty popular for a while. The African, uh, one of those that buries mm-hmm. in the sand. Uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and, they used to sell them uh, in pet stores. Pretty, I don't know if they still do. Pretty good-sized frog when it's grown. But also based on, on you know, exhibits at zoos and sort of things, frogs tend to be like the cover. So uh, it, as a pet, it might, if you, you know, do your, your aquarium or terrarium up nicely, it might find a nice space where you, you can't really see it very much. That's so true. Uh, our tree frogs probably do well in a terrarium, assuming the terrarium is set up properly. You have some moss and supply fresh water and plants growing there. And that's right. They That's their first line of defense is to hide. Mm-hmm. And so you may almost never see them, but you may hear them at night. Mm-hmm. I know uh, I walk in the park in Pearl every afternoon. And I, I've heard the frogs, and I, I was thinking about that the last time. It's like you can always hear them, but it's like you look, and it's like, where the heck are they? So they're, they're good at what they do. That's right. Much easier to hear them than to see them. And that's the way uh, they're surveyed. You survey by listening for them. Got another caller on the line, so let's return to the phone lines. We say good morning to Holly, who's called in from Meridian. Go ahead, Holly. You're on the air. Hi. Um, I have a question about tree frogs. Okay. Um, when we moved into our house about uh, eight years ago, the first year and then a little bit the second year, we had lots of those little tiny green tree frogs. Is That's what you call them, right? Tree frogs? Right. Um, and I loved having them. And but they kind of disappeared. And there's nothing about the habitat around here. We're, we're sort of in a subdivision, but it backs up onto a, a pretty big pasture that has a pond. And so I don't know any change in the habitat. Do they go in cycles? Well, they could. Do you, do you use a lot of pesticides or insecticides around your house? Or, um, or you, in, your, well, in your yard? Yes and no. The only thing that we do is that um, we we had a lot of ants coming into the house. Uh-oh. Yep. So, so we were just, uh, the only pesticide we've ever used is to spray just the perimeter of the house to keep ants from coming in. But because other things may get that and other insects, and then the frogs may be eating those toxic insects. But I will tell you this, I have squirrel tree frogs around my house. I hear them calling in the, you know, in the hot heat of summer. But last year I had very few. 
and I don't know, and I don't use any kind of chemicals around my yard or house. And I'm not sure what, what and I think this, this is the kind of frog you have. I think those are probably squirrel tree frogs. They are green. They're small and green. Mm-hmm. Or either that or green tree frogs. So I don't know why my, but populations do naturally ebb and flow. Oh. So, uh, and I'm hoping this year I'll have more of the squirrel tree frogs. There's one thing about them. They get on my vehicle, and when I leave, sometimes I'll be in a parking lot somewhere. Oh. Hot heat of summer, and there I find it. So I, <laughs> I've started keeping a container in my truck at all times. has holes in it so I can catch that little frog and put it in there with some moist paper toweling until I get back home and I can put it put it back on the side of the house of the carport. But it may it, it may be you're using too many uh, insecticides. I don't know. All right, Holly, thanks for your call. Uh, while we're on the topic of tree frogs, I think uh, you, you brought in a, a call with us or with you, so uh, let's listen to that right now. That's the squirrel tree frog, mm-hmm. the, the, the one in the foreground. There's several other things calling in the background. And so are they, uh, are they fairly common here in Mississippi? Yeah, uh, I, I think they are, in, certainly in central Mississippi and in, in the southern part of the state. Uh, I know they, there are years when they've been really common around my house. They're, they're one of those tree frogs that calls when it's about to rain. You know, they let you know it's going to rain. <laughs> and uh, what size-wise, what, what do these look Small, like? Small, uh, an inch, inch and a half long, the adult. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's small, bright green. They can change color when it's really cool. They can be almost black uh, when they're not very active. But in the summer, usually when I see them in the summertime on the screens at night, you know, hunting insects, they're a bright green. Okay. And then that's the green tree frog. All right. They'll start calling, oh, after the middle of April, say. They might call earlier this year. It's been so warm mm-hmm. this year. One of my favorite sounds. This is one of our most beautiful frogs, the green tree frog. It's bright pea green with little orange flecks on the back, bright yellow stripes down the sides. Beautiful animal. All right. Uh, you're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We're visiting today talking about frogs with wildlife biologist Joe McGee. We've got some open phone lines, so if you'd like to call in with a question about frogs or if you have a pet question for Dr. Major, the phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. You can send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. We say good morning to Frank, who's called in from Jackson today. Go ahead, Frank. You're on the air. Yes, good morning. Good morning. Um, I have a controversy with my wife. <laughs> we have a above-ground pool that we bought for our daughter about 10 years ago, and she used it about three times. <laughs> and uh, I got kind of sick of fooling with it, so I just left it alone. And we have not had mosquitoes. Excuse me, we've not had a mosquito problem. We have some mosquitoes every now and then. But we have not had a mosquito problem. We've got at least three different frogs that I've identified. Do I need to drain that pool or the frogs going to continue to keep the mosquitoes away? Mm. <laughs> I almost don't know what to say because uh, if I say don't drain it and then you suddenly have a, a bloom <laughs> of mosquitoes. Uh you know, I seriously it's doubt that the... 10 years now. No, no problem. For 10 years, it's amazing. Well, I guess uh, if it's not broke, don't fix it. <laughs> yeah. I would, I would watch the water in the pool and be sure that there are not mosquitoes breeding. And you can see those little wigglers if you look. And if those are in there, I would scoop them out and 
throw them on the ground quickly. Yeah, that's what I do. I pour them on the hot uh-huh. driveway. And they but if, the, if, yeah, a, if the frogs are using the pool, I think that would not be If it's be a bad. pretty good size pool, I don't know how big this pool is, but and it's being more uh, decorative. It's just there. Mm-hmm. Might want to get some of those what gambusa. Uh, Mosquito, mosquito eating fish and put in there. <laughs> then you won't have to be scooping. Yeah, if it's a big enough pool, right. you're going to need to do thought, that because yeah, you won't find all the wigglers. Yeah. But you'll be building an ecosystem there. The next thing you know, you're going to have garter snakes. I don't know how you feel about that. <laughs> yeah, or you could turn the pool into a, a backyard pond. Yeah. <laughs> the cement pond, as they used to yeah. say. Just keep an eye out for an excess number of wiggle tails, the mosquito yeah. larvae and pupa. All right. Good to hear from you, Frank. Uh, this is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Let's uh, press on. We've got Amy on the line from Jackson next. Go ahead, Amy. Hey, I had a question. Um, my family and I moved into a new house in the end of July last year. We had we have two landscape ponds. One was filled with tadpoles. And we had frogs. We had the noise. Loved it. Went out, you know, every night, you know, with flashlights, looked at the frogs. And, I guess we had two or three different types of frogs, some were tree frogs. And then one night, uh, out of the blue, I guess a couple of months later, just completely quiet, and we saw two creatures um, in our yard. We didn't know what they were. And then a week later, we saw one, and it was a roof rat um, resting in the trees. So we have had our house sealed. The guy that sealed the house said that rats can eat frogs at their garbage cans. So we're assuming that that's the creature that just completely cleaned out our, you know, pond and everything. No tadpoles or anything. Everything was gone. So I was just curious to get your thoughts on that. I doubt it. I doubt that frogs have, uh, that rats have eliminated your frogs. What time of year were you seeing those frogs and tadpoles? Um, it was the end of July. I guess we moved in the house. And then, um, you know, it was just every every night about 6 o'clock, you know, they cranked up singing and in the summer? Wonderful. And it lasts, yeah, and it, um, okay. you know, it just all of a sudden stops. I guess it's about a month, a month and a half later. Well, probably the, end of August or okay. beginning of September. You were probably seeing the warm weather frogs, and they, I, I would guess they'll come back. You, you'll probably see the same thing again this summer. Okay. Some frogs breed good. this time of year, you know, when, when it's cool. They, the spring peepers, for example, start in. Uh, January, they, you'll hear them calling on warm, on mild nights in January even, sometimes late December. But they stop in April, but about that time, other frogs start, the green tree frogs, the squirrel tree frogs. So I'm thinking maybe you had uh, some of those in your little ponds, and the, you know, the warm weather frogs, and by August, early September, they were through. They had all changed. They had metamorphosed into adults and left. Does that make? Could that be the the, the case? Yeah, I, I'm just, you know assuming it was just weird because it just the tadpoles were gone out of the pond and everything. You know, it was yeah. like it happened overnight, and it was just they were all see they're all roughly the the same age. I just I you may not have a problem. I don't think rats got your frogs or tadpoles. I, no. I really don't. And now, right. what what happens at our house? But they don't get them all. Is We'll have a lot of bullfrogs in the pond, and then we'll see several snakes, and the bullfrogs will get, this population will get knocked way down, and then the snakes seem to go off somewhere else where there's more food, and the frogs tend to grow back up the next year, so it kind of ebbs and flows, but 
um, a snake is more likely a predator yeah. for the frogs. Right. But but then you you can't have tadpoles for very long in your pond anyway because they don't you know they're going to metamorph like you say and hatch. And if they're toads, they're going to move away and disperse through your neighborhood. Does that make sense? So yeah, yeah. All right, Amy, uh, thanks for the call. So hopefully uh, maybe later this year your you'll population will rebound. We need to take another quick break. When we get back, we've got Pam and Don on the line with their calls, and we've got some open phone lines ready for your call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Call us at one 672 or send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. Back with more after this. and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell here with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and Dr. Troy Bajor, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. We're visiting today with our resident frog expert, wildlife biologist Joe McGee. We've got some open phone lines, so if you have a frog question or a pet question, give us a call the day at one eight seven seven MPB Ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. Back to the phone lines in just a minute, but a quick update. You know, I've uh, sometimes talk about my cat, Bo, and uh, what a, f- a frisky little fella he is, and he loves to knock things off the counter. And the latest thing that he seems to enjoy doing is I bought a potato the other day for dinner. I had it on the counter, and I was sitting out in the living room, and I hear a clunk, and I looked out there. And so he has uh, decided that that's a fun thing to knock off the counter. And it is amazing to me because that cat has... Once he identifies something that he likes to to knock off there, it's going to stay off there no matter what I try to do to put it back on. So, and it's so funny because he'll, you know, if he's sitting somewhere and I put something on there, he kind of just looks at it and his little paw goes up and he's like, "Whoops," you know. So, anyway, uh, maybe he wants to, uh, <laughs> to have some potato with me, but I thought that was kind of funny. So, uh, you know, that's the way cats are, and and uh, he certainly is a high high spirited one. So. Uh, anyway, let's go back to the phone lines. We begin again in Ocean Springs, as we say good morning to Don. Hello, Don. Go ahead, please. Uh, good morning. I heard the lady a few minutes ago uh, saying she was interested in collecting some tadpoles to raise with her child. Um, I built a couple of ephemeral ponds on my place um, three years ago, and um, I've had tadpoles in them for at least the last week. And based on last year's experience, I suspect they're American toads. But uh, she'd be welcome to pick some up here. I can leave my phone number with y'all, and if she's still listening, she can call back and, and get that. 
Thank right. you, Don. Don, we appreciate that. So let me go ahead and uh, put you back on hold, and if you could give uh, Sharita that information. So uh, if Colleen is still listening and, and wanted to get some from you, uh, we'll get you in touch with each other. So appreciate that. Okay. Good enough. Um, I might add real quickly that um, uh, regarding the sudden disappearance of a lot of frogs in someone's pond, uh, raccoons um, periodically come through my place and make a raid and substantially reduce the population overnight. Actually, yeah, Troy had said that when we were off air and that also herons pass through pretty often. Yeah, herons and egrets. They can eat a lot too, yeah. So we can't blame it all on the snakes, can we? (laughs) Okay. Thank you. Hey, uh, uh, Don. Instead, what might be better if you could uh, if you could send your email to us at animals at mpbonline dot org. That way, if someone gets in touch, uh, we can get them in touch with you about the tadpoles. But we appreciate that offer. Thanks for calling. Okay, I'll do that right now. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, let's stay on the phone lines. Next, we talk to Pam, who's called in from Oxford. Good morning, Pam. You're on the air. Go ahead. Good morning. Um, I was wondering if, in your career, you have found any association between a low uh, number of frogs in an area and clusters of cancers in humans. I wondered if there has has been a toxin or toxins found that are normally not tested for in a waterway system, such as around Florence, Alabama. I I can't I can't answer that. I do not know. Okay. Uh, no. I'm sorry. I just. Yeah, it would be hard to draw those kind of comparisons. I thought maybe you'd found some you know something unusual in that regard. There, but, well, there well, could be. You might go on. Nowadays, we, our standard <laughs> answer is go online. A uh, doctor major might know something about this. I think okay, you've been Dr. some. Doctor major would be who now? Uh, he's uh, right he, here. He's right. He's the. I'm a veterinarian. Oh, uh, sorry. I thought I was talking to. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> well, I think there are probably some indications that this could be true. I know of no uh, documented. Uh, uh, things that have been postulated but certainly i think that is a good thing and certainly something that could be uh checked out uh by prob- i just don't know where i might start as far as what they do not test for normally yeah. because yeah. they can say you know that the tests look fine and yet we've got this cluster of glioblastomas so and and the lo- the the frogs are nowhere to be found with all that water you know around the river so I just don't know where to start. Um, we're trying to do a little investigation into that um, and uh, don't know what toxins might, you know, might be around the area. I know that here in Oxford, we don't have that problem. We have, like, tons of frogs. Every year I have them lay their eggs in, like, those orange Lowe's um, uh, buckets, you know, that I leave out for rainwater. And that's all it takes in my yard is is just a bucket of rainwater, you yeah. know, and they and they they ray, they live and and all of a sudden they they all emerge at the same time and they're gone. But I have hundreds of them on the property, at least hundreds, if not more. But um, and in Alabama, it should be that way because of all the water. Where I'm talking about, these people live right on the river. This 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 location where there's a cluster of glioblastomas, and there's got to be something weird going on in the environment for them not to have frogs and so those two uh, to me are associated whether or not it'll pan out in the investigation i don't know but i didn't know what toxin might you know might be something we could go for and and be testing you know that that they don't normally test because something's there that nobody's testing for in other words i would say go to one of the the um universities in alabama and see if you can find uh somebody that's interested in in amphibians and see if they could help okay Okay, that's a great idea in right. Alabama. Okay, 
great. Thank you so much. That's a great idea. Okay. Thanks for the call. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Next up, we've got Louie in uh, Covington, Louisiana. Good morning, Louie. Go ahead, please. Uh, good morning, sir. Um, I have an... Uh, I have a suggestion that <clears throat> that may help people with uh, little fish ponds or uh, frog ponds or even uh, cisterns. In the old days, they used to use, like, copper piping or sheet metal. Well, metal copper will retard algae growth, and it will keep almost all bugs out of the water. And um, um, being a chemist where I used to deal with a lot of chemicals, I know of no, even today, I know of no hazard from uh, copper metal. Uh, in fact, water some water pipes are still made of copper metal. So that's a real good tip. Um, for years, we used to throw scrap copper pipe and wire in our 50-gallon drums at hunting camps, and the water would come off the roof. And even three months later, you would have no, it'd be as clear as a crystal. Hmm. All right, Louis, thanks for the uh, suggestion. Uh, this is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Let's uh, continue on. It's been a busy day on the phone lines. We we'll always love to hear from you. So we're going to go to Semral. Tabura, is that, am I pronouncing that correctly? You're on the air. Go ahead. Are you with us? Uh, are you, is this Sabira? Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. You're on the air. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes, um, thank you for taking my call. Um, I was calling about, actually, I got a little confused. My question is really about turtles. Would I be able to get an answer about turtles versus frogs? You can try. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what we can give you. Okay. Well, we have a pond, and we've had, uh, you know, uh, and we um, we feed the fish that are in the pond. It's uh, brim and um, minnows. And there always comes a crop of frogs that, I mean, not frogs, turtles that come in to eat the food. Is there anything that we can do to um, kind of dissuade the turtles or get rid of them? We've, we've talked to um, the uh, farm extension, and they said, you know, you can gather them up and round them and take them somewhere else. And then someone else said you can shoot them. And neither of those really sound appealing. Is there another alternative? I guess my question is, now, why do you want to get rid of the turtles? Because they're eating the fish that you they're want to... The food. They're eating the food from the fish. They don't seem to bother the fish. Yeah, I would say enjoy the turtles as well. Actually, they'll put on more of a show than the fish will. <laughs> yeah, that's that would be my suggestion, is to feed those turtles too. I think it's going to be very labor-intensive to get rid of all turtles because that's a natural habitat for them. And there, there are probably some good reasons why it might be nice to have turtles in that pond. They're used to being fed. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like birds coming to a bird yeah. feeder. They... I think you've got new pets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, thanks for the call. But yeah, if it's a the, if it's a food source there, they're definitely going to be interested in that. And yeah. I think you're right, Libby. It would be more trouble than it's worth to try yeah. to keep them uh, away. Now, if you, yeah, I mean, if you really wanted to be diligent, you could feed the fish and then you know beat the water and scare off the turtles every time. But it would be hard work to do, I think. And obviously, uh, shooting the turtle is certainly not an alternative. But yeah. We don't want, to, want anybody doing that. Uh, let's go next. Our friend Lee's on the line from Woodville. Good morning, Lee. Good morning. Good morning. What I have is a question. I would like to ask the amphibian elder frogman about and make statement concerning they had some calls coming in about tadpoles and or frogs and about loss of animals. I, I would like to know. In Mississippi, what is the rate of predation to 
loss of animals and or amphibians that just leave their natural habitat for another natural habitat or just get up and leave. Because I don't think everything is being eaten up. And I'm going to hang up and let you all talk about that. All right, Lee, thanks for the call. So yeah, I think you're exactly right. Everything's not being eaten up. And I don't know anybody that studied it in a quantitative way at all. But, yeah, animals move in and out of habitats. That's what we were talking about with the tadpoles. Once they hatch, all those toads are not going to stay right around. That's right. Or even the frogs, yeah. So let me, I can tell yeah. you a story of what happened to me that illustrates how frogs can move around. There's a species of tree frog in Mississippi called a barking tree frog has a very distinctive sound, barking tree frog. And they're not around my area. Every now and then I hear one. And summer before last, I believe it was, there was one calling all summer long from my neighbor's pond. I thought that's very interesting. It's unmistakable. I know I had a barking tree frog. Well, one night after the frogs had stopped singing, I was out doing something on the carport, and lo and behold, perched on my carport steps... They go into the house was a barking tree frog. They do move around. Now, last year I didn't hear any at all. So I know they, they come and go. North of me, where I live, they, they occur in some ponds. But in my immediate area, no. But they do move around. Yeah, you're right. And so that's why uh, when you have something like that, you know, enjoy it while you can because it's nature. And as we've talked about the ebb and flow of something, you uh, might not see them for a while. Uh, so enjoy them while you got them. Yeah. And you can imagine why they call it a barking tree frog. I don't know <laughs> if Java's got the song back there, but it, it's... He's going to play yeah. it. And the pig frog, too, is very interesting if you've got the pig frog song. Because... <laughs> Okay, those are cricket frogs in the foreground. Mm -hmm. Wonk. See, he's kind of barking, huh? Yeah. I think there's an entire course of them on there. <laughs> All right, uh, let's, uh, let's take one final break this hour. When we get back, Mary's on the line from Braxton, and we've got some open phone lines ready for your call. The number is one eight seven seven. That must be the pig frog. That's the pig frog. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back with more Creature Comforts after this break. If you're a sustaining member of MPB Think Radio, we appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, go to mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Our guest today, wildlife biologist Joe McGee. We've been talking a lot about frogs. Got some calls on the line and also this email to share. It says, uh, please help. We have small green uh, frogs on our windows at night. The next morning, there are droppings everywhere. What can we do? So, Joe, you had a good suggestion. I have that same problem, or I don't really consider it a problem, <laughs> but then I live kind of loose. I spray the droppings into the house plants, or just scrape them in, or sweep them off into the flower beds. Mm -hmm. It's fertilizer. It's insects that won't bother me. All right. 
Um, let's uh, go back to the phone lines. First, we visit with Mary in Braxton. Mary, you're on the air. Go ahead. Good morning. Morning. I just wanted to say, hooray for frogs. <laughs> I've loved them all my life. Uh, and there's a, uh, a continuation from north to south, and they sound alike, and they sound different. And I enjoyed uh, visiting Kermit uh, about five years ago. All right. Thanks for the call. You know, I, based on the amount of phone calls we're getting, it's it's. Uh, I guess we're pretty much fascinated with frogs. Uh, any any reasons as why thoughts why Joe? Just the sort of the mysterious, as we said, they're kind of uh, secretive. So they are kind of secretive. They're sort of audacious animals. They just sit there. Here I am. You like <laughs> me or not? I don't care how I appear to you. I'm fine. Uh, many of them are very beautiful. As I said, the little squirrel tree frogs are bright green. The green tree frogs. A barking tree frog. Mm-hmm. Really pretty. Uh, there's a book I would like to recommend uh, called, uh, I've got, got it here, Frogs Inside the Remarkable World by Ellen Betts. Okay. And it's um, Belts, and it's published by Firefly Books. If you get that book, you'll want to use it for a coffee table book. They're spectacular animals. I think that's one reason we like them. All righty. Let's uh, stay on the phone lines. Off we go to Florence. Roger's called in today. Uh, good morning, Roger. You're on the air. Go ahead. Good morning. I just got to say hello to Joe and recall the fun we had at Earth Lab. Oh, yeah. Hello, Roger. How are you? Just fine, and I love your show, of course, and I look forward to your contributions. Thank you to all of you. I'm a loyal listener. I'm calling in because of frogs. Uh, on the frog subject, although I'd love to talk about everything else, but I've, I've seen advertising. I've tried using these little pellets you can buy to put in small uh, water sources to kill mosquitoes. And I've always wondered if I were also killing something else. <laughs> and so could you comment on that? And and I'll hang up. But, oh, one of the things the, uh, that I thought of that, that about frogs, the uh, barking tree frog, I if I'm not mistaken, Joe, you may have heard one of those up at Gray Center one time and pointed it out. But anyway, I'm going to hang up and listen to. Well, I can't hang up. Uh, I'll just listen. <laughs> I'm on the radio. What yeah. What is the chemical makeup of the pellets you're using to eliminate mosquitoes? Or do you know what it is? I don't know. I've never paid that much attention. But if I did, I've forgotten. But it's just little. You can buy little pellets, and they say, you know, put them in your Put them in places where you've got mosquitoes. and. If, if you'll email us the name of it, we'll look into that for you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I, do you know, Dr. Major? You know, some of them are called mosquito dunks. They look like a little donut, and that's used. And I honestly don't know what's in that. Mm-hmm. So it would be interesting to, to follow up with that. We can get yeah. together on that, Roger. Maybe we can figure it out. Uh, I've always heard you can just, and, and I've done this on occasion, you just get your little lesson oil or a little olive oil, and if you can and just put a few drops on top of a water surface, yeah. and, and that'll, that'll stop those little wigglies from getting their oxygen. That's what you're trying to do anyway. Yeah. Right. But that's probably better for the environment. I think. I just think that the point of all that is that if people are thinking about killing mosquitoes, think about whether you're killing something else. And that's right. That's it. All right. Good point, Roger. Thanks for the call. Always good to hear from you. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Let's uh, move through these last couple of phone calls. Uh, next on the line, it's Dwayne in Bay Springs. Good morning. Go ahead, please. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, I've got uh, 
a bunch of geckos on my windows at night, and I was just wondering what kind are they and where did they come from? They're gray. They're probably Mediterranean geckos, I'm guessing. That's the, uh, it's an introduced species, but you know, they are, they don't seem to interfere with anything. Kind of pale no, gray. No, it's fun, fun to watch them, yeah. Okay. yeah. Are they almost transparent? You... No, no, they're not transparent. No, they're, the... they're about four or so inches long, and uh, they just uh, run around the window and snap up insects, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, what just... color are they? Look. Gray. Yeah. I bet those are Mediterranean. It's the bigger ones. They, once they get bigger, they're not so transparent. When they're a little bitty, you can yeah. almost see through them. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of like, like your hand, though. If you hold them up in front of a, a light, light, you can see <laughs> all their organs yeah. just about. But they're a neat animal. Yeah. They're not native to Mississippi, but they're here now, and I don't think yeah. they're causing a problem with anything. All right. Dwayne, thanks for the call. Let's uh, get one final call in, and it goes to Graham in Starkville. Good morning, Graham. Good morning. Uh, I just want to quickly ask, uh, I remember 40 years or more ago, Dr. Ron Altage at Mississippi State University came to my place uh, in the, uh, outside of Starkville looking for duck-voiced cro- frogs, and I haven't heard that mentioned at all, and I wondered uh, what's unique about them. Or What kind of frog? Duck-voiced frogs was what they were called. Duck-voiced. Hmm. Oh, bird voice, tree frogs. They quacked quacked like a duck. Oh, oh, no. Uh, The ones that quack like a duck are the squirrel tree frogs. There is a frog called a bird-voiced tree frog. At first, I thought maybe that's what you meant. I've never heard of Okay, I'll try to. I think he's still around, and I'll try to ask him. Listen to what he's playing. Yeah. That's the bird-voiced tree frog. Okay. All right, uh, Graham, thanks for the call. Hope uh, we can figure out something there for you. Uh, so, uh, Joe, we've heard some, some calls. What, what are the frogs saying to each other? I guess it varies. These are male frogs that are calling. They, after, usually after a rain or you know, a rain event, they hightail it down to a standing water, a pond, or a ditch, or just a rain pool, congregate and start calling or singing to attract females. It's all about reproduction. Females come down and... Uh, the females eventually pick out one they like, and uh, uh, they make the, the. It's external fertilization in the, in the uh, frogs that we have in Mississippi. But the calling, the singing, is all about reproduction. All right, attracting Try, a mate. Trying to find a date. Uh, we got a little bit of time left for me to share this. Uh, the Wildlife Care and Res- uh, Rescue Center. Uh, is uh, having a uh, workshop. Uh, Baby season for native wildlife is underway and will continue throughout spring and into the summer. The Wildlife Care and Rescue Center is ready to train volunteers to care for baby songbirds, squirrels, rabbits, and other animals. Saturday morning, March 11th, they're going to have a workshop at the Mississippi Sand Hill Crane Refuge in uh, Gaucher. Participants must call ahead to reserve a seat. You have to be 18 years of age or older, have reliable transportation, a love of animals, and the dedication to see these babies grow up to be released into the wild. So if you're interested in this workshop Saturday morning, March 11th, uh, probably best would be to uh, Google Wildlife Care and Rescue Center, uh, located there on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. And that's going to wrap us up for today. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio. Funding provided in part by Wildlife Mississippi, a statewide organization celebrating its 20th year of conserving Mississippi's lands, waters, and wildlife. And contributions from listeners like you. To hear today's show or a previous show, one way to find it is to go to mpbonline.org slash Creature Comforts. Our show is produced today by Java Chapman, and our call screener was Sharita Brent. So for Libby Hartfield, Dr. Troy Major, and our guest Joe McGee, I'm Kevin Farrell. Stay tuned up next at 10. It's MPB's Season Pass with Jay White and Sam Wells. And that's uh, followed by Southern Remedy at 11. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts heard only on MPB Think Radio.